Welcome to Tech on Reg, the podcast that explores all things at the intersection of law, technology, and high-regulated industry. We're talking fintech, regtech, sextech, and more with thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world to share insights, trade viewpoints, and get us all thinking about responsible innovation. And here is your host, Dara Tukowski. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to welcome all of my listeners to a really special episode of Tech on Reg this week. Uh, today, we are focusing on the Benzinga Global FinTech Awards, powered by Investnet Yodley, which are going to be returning virtually on November 10th, 2020. Um, the Benzinga Global FinTech Awards are going to be awarding uh, a lot of winners in a lot of different categories. Five very special awards are being presented by Yodley, as well as a people's choice. Uh, today's episode is going to focus on one of those award categories, and that's innovation during COVID-19. The global pandemic has affected uh, the financial services industry and consumers in such uh, material and really sort of life-changing ways. Uh, so this award is really geared uh, toward organizations who have really stepped up and been truly innovative uh, during you know, a really unprecedented time for financial services and the entire world. Uh, so we're really excited to have some of those organizations with us today on the episode, some of whom are up for the award. Uh, so we will be talking with Tally, we're going to be talking with Cross River Bank, and we're going to be talking with ABAI. Um, so stay tuned. It is going to be a really exciting episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech on Reg. Um, this is a special episode of Tech on Reg, uh, and I'm really excited to be putting this together in advance of the Benzinga Global FinTech Awards that are powered by Investnet Yodley. Uh, it goes without saying that 2020 has been an unprecedented year for all of us, but it's been especially unique in the financial services and fintech industry. Uh, the financial services industry has really played such a critical role in keeping the economy uh, moving in the midst of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic and Financial organizations all around the country and really all around the world were faced with unique challenges and demands from their customers that were truly, truly unprecedented. I have the privilege of talking today with Juan Romera, who is a product evangelist at Abe AI. Welcome to the show, Juan. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so Abe AI is a really sort of unique organization. I'd like you to you know, give the listeners a little bit of a flavor of what you guys do. Sure, thanks. So we are a conversational artificial intelligence company. So what that means is we build uh, virtual assistant products uh, and infrastructure specifically for the finance industry. And I think that's an important kind of note there is that it's it's built finance specific, which is, um, you know, has, has the ability to kind of uh, be more accurate and be uh, kind of that next generation when you're really focused on one topic. How long have you guys been around? So we are considered we are considered a veteran because we've been around about five years. So in this industry, that is uh, that's one of the old guys. So we've been around for five years. Um, yeah, building products. Uh, so in your five year in your five year history, uh, tell us about sort of the what made twenty twenty particularly unique for you guys. Yeah, I think we've, as we've, uh, you know, as we discuss the product with folks, a lot of people do understand that vision of uh, virtual financial assistance as that next user interface, right? It's that, it's the next mobile app. That's what a lot of people are saying. It's kind of roadmap 
item. You've got the real big guys doing it now, the Bank of America's Cap One's U.S. Bank. But really, it was a 2021 kind of project, and people are, you know, starting to get, they're getting started on it. We have a lot of projects um, underway, but people were kind of thinking roll out 2021. That very quickly changed, as you can imagine. Um, people that said, hey, you know, I'd like to handle some volume in the call center, volumes went off the charts, right? You had, you had people, COVID-related questions, you had people at home more often, you had more people using digital, a lot of that stuff. So an incredible spike meant, guess what? People were more interested in the product and a lot of things got moved up the roadmap. So, you know, that sort of unprecedented situation and volume created a new sense of urgency, would you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, what you had before was, you know, people were calling, they had issues, you always wanted to service a customer. But now you, what we saw is a lot of people were saying, hey, listen, customers are scared, they're uncertain. These are uncertain times. The amount of calls they got about, can I skip a loan payment? How do I do that? That's something that's not on the website. It's not something you're talking about. People are really nervous about it, that this kind of, you know, this panic of what they should do. So that's not the customer that you, that you don't want, you know, that you want on hold for an hour or that you don't want to be able to get to the, get to service. And there's no option for them to visit their local branch, right? In the midst of a global pandemic. I mean, so you're exactly right, right? That compounded the issue. You had not only folks that were scared about stuff, then you had the, the inability to visit the branch. Plus, you also had some folks who didn't even use digital before. So if you think about the organizations that are 50 or 60% digital adoption, those other 30 or 40%, like they needed to go somewhere now. They were calling and not getting the service they needed. They're even more scared because they're unfamiliar with digital. So I don't want to over-dramatize, but I'm just going to like yeah. go ahead yeah. and do that anyway. <laughs> um, so all of this happens and we're just, you know, we're going to put like the SBA PPP stuff to the side for a second. Mm-hmm. Cause that was its own set of, yep. you know, sign of uh, crazy COVID related challenges for, totally. for financial institutions and focus on consumer specific interactions. Mm-hmm. They, and by they, I mean the financial institutions had to have been freaking out a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, is you had this idea where, okay, I need to be able to handle more demand and people are doing things around the edges, which is live chat and, you know, okay, now an agent can handle more. And, and we're not talking about, right, we're talking about the whole, uh, right, the, the long tail of the banking market where some of these credit unions, they've got, you know, 100,000 customers, their, their whole business model is being there for customers, is that personal touch. They were really, they were really, I mean, th- that is their business model. Their business model, if they can't service the customers on a personal level and give them the information they need, being on hold for 20 minutes is not, is not acceptable, right? So yeah, that's, that, that really their business model was at risk if they can't handle those customers. So ABAI to the rescue, right? You, <laughs> exactly. have, you have the solutions um, for those kind of specific sets of challenges and you have those solutions at scalability, which obviously given the absolute influx of web traffic and call traffic and traffic traffic uh, was really, really necessary. I'd I'd like to spend sort of a moment talking to you about, okay, so you mentioned before, uh, you know, a question that maybe an FI wouldn't normally be fielding. Um, You know, I'm in the midst of a global pandemic. Can I miss a loan payment? It's COVID related. 
what do I do? Um, and we know that the regulations, you know, uh, sort of demanded that FIs, uh, you know, provisions under the CARES Act, there were all sorts of things that FIs had to do. And mm-hmm. they had to figure out a way to like sort of deploy that information to their customers um, in like an effective way. So talk to me a little bit about, I know there's a project that you guys did for, for an FI that was sort of maybe like outside your wheelhouse a little bit because it wasn't financial related specifically, but it was really more just COVID driven. Talk to us about that project. Right. So we had a, you know, one of our early customers that had, you know, that had helped develop some things. um, And they had said, you know, they were planning a rollout actually for next year and some extra channels. And they, you know, this was a a medium-sized credit union, a couple of hundred thousand members, um, right? And they called and said, listen, we're having this major issue. There's a, there's a huge influx. We're not, they weren't prepared to scale their service center the way they needed to. And they said, can we, how quickly can we put out a virtual financial assistant that can answer this set of 40 questions? So the difference, in, and we can get into it, you know, it's maybe not the right time, but the idea of the complexities behind a static chatbot that uses rules-based and an advanced chatbot having our data scientists train 40 questions in say 48 hours so you can ask it a thousand different ways was extremely helpful for the or for this FI not to mention the idea that they were supposed to have a mid 21 rollout or a early I guess it would have been at that point it would have been a late 20 or early 21 and they said Hey, let's move it up six months, which is a so big the technology, technology adoption <laughs> was a little bit accelerated, right? That's right. That's right. Um, so, okay, help us figure out, help us to train, uh, you know, uh, the dynamic chatbot on these forty specific questions that consumers yep. can ac- uh, ask the questions thousands of different ways. Um, what sorts of questions are we talking about? So, I mean, you touched on some of those, which is um, whether I should be making payments, how I can make payments. Um, some of the questions around, as you can imagine, I mean, some of the simple budgeting tools became very activated, right? So what we call PFM or personal financial management, um, folks needed to keep track of every dollar, right? So as you start to think about, hey, um, I, you think about there's a whole slew of people that now are on are furloughed and receiving 20% of their payment or are, don't have a job. Guess what? That you know, the budgeting technology became became very popular all of a sudden. Um, some of the loan um, questions, because as you as we all know, a lot of the small businesses are actually just individuals, right? Um, so you have individuals Absolutely. asking a lot of questions about um, small business loans and what they can and can't do. And like we said earlier, those questions aren't things that are readily available on a very easy to use website because they're they're not even written yet. We were we were learning as we went. You know what I mean? Well. You know, Juan, it sounds like you guys have been absolutely in the thick of it. Um, so, you know, thank you for all of ABI's really, you know, excellent work in helping FIs, you know, rise to the challenge of their customers' needs, you know, during really an unprecedented time. Uh, I think this really sets the stage perfectly for some of the uh, other organizations that we're going to be talking about who are, you know, up for uh, a Benzinga Global FinTech Award powered by InvestNet Yodley. So, Thank you so much for your insight um, and, you know, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. It's great. All 
right, everyone, as we continue highlighting organizations who've made real impact uh, during COVID-19, uh, I'm really pleased to introduce you all to Jesse Honigberg, the Technology Chief of Staff at Cross River. Welcome to Tech on Reg, Jesse. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Cross River's nominated uh, uh, as part of uh, Benzinga's Global FinTech Awards, powered by Investnet Yodley. I have to say the whole name every single time uh, because, you know, that's important. Uh, so you guys are nominated for an innovation award, innovation during COVID-19. Um, so I really want to get into some of the really meaningful work that Cross River's done uh, over the past several months. Um, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cross River generally? Sure. Um, so Cross River is kind of a really unique community bank. And so um, we really think about community as something that's getting redefined in, in the 21st century. And so what we've done is use technology and, and built a lot of proprietary technology um, to extend our financial services architecture out to fintechs um, and enterprises and really think about an enabling platform that, enab that allows um, businesses and organizations of, of all sites types and sizes to um, do really interesting things and solve really unique financial problems. Well, it sounds like that sort of setup uh, came in very, very useful in uh, March of this year. Uh, so as a lot of legacy banks really sort of struggled with pivoting and meeting their customer needs and demands um, as, you know, the world started shutting down uh, during the pandemic, uh, tell us about what Cross River was able to do and sort of your role and the differentiator between the way you were interacting with your customers. Yeah, so I think that Cross River is relatively small, so so we're less than 400 people. And um, when the challenges that um, COVID has brought upon us really kind of started coming to a head in, in March and, and the passage of the CARES Act, our leadership team really challenged the technology group and the broader organization to do everything that we could. And um, because of the technology we have and, and the unique position that we're in, everything we could meant a lot. And so the entire organization rallied around, you know, we have to do more than anybody else, right? We have to give a hundred, if people are giving a hundred percent, we have to give 110. And, and so we took bunch of different systems and platforms that we wrote for different purposes and over the course of a couple of weeks repurposed them rebuilt them rewrote them um and enabled um you know between direct lending partnerships and purchasing um the origination of about two hundred and seventy thousand ppp loans i mean that's that number is sort of incredible given the size uh, of your organization and I mean, tell me if I have the stat right. You guys were like one of the like the third largest participant uh, FI for for the third, out PPPs. Yeah. We just beat out Wells Fargo right as the uh, the program ended. So we were number three in terms of units. And you know, more importantly for us, that we actually had the smallest average loan size and the smallest median loan size. And so what it really meant was that we use technology and our partnerships to enable um, this, you know, a true small business um, to get access to funds. So our median loan size was below $20,000. And so if you think about being able to do that type of lending at scale, you really only can do it with great partnerships and, and really um, embracing technology. And, and that was our mantra throughout the entire program. I think that's so impressive for so many reasons, especially because I recall 
as I was working with clients, you know, through the whole PPP process, their primary financial uh, institutions and some of those primary relationships, I just, I felt like the constant echo chamber that I was hearing is that these FIs were just consistently falling short. And if their accounts weren't large enough, they just weren't getting, you know, any sort of attention, which led a group of small businesses to sue a bunch of the big banks, you know, for, you know, not being able to give them proper access. So the fact that the fact that you guys really focused in that area to truly help small business, I think has really like very meaningful impact for our economy. And I think that the thing that, you know, truly means a lot to us, right? And, and I think that we, was the stories and, and humanizing a lot of the challenges that people had, right? You know, we weren't able to make every loan and there were certainly people who, you know, we, we wish we could have gotten to. But what we really said is that this is a, this is a national problem, right? You know, it's a global problem, but, it, but specifically to the, the PPP, it was a national problem. And that, you know, banks serve a role within the national economy and, and we had to fulfill that obligation. And we were going to do everything that we could to fill that obligation. To that point, like, Crossover's balance sheet pre-PPP was about $2 billion. Um, Post-PPP is, is close to 10. So we actually, you know, increased our balance sheet, you know, 5x, 500%, just to support this program. Um, and we'll do it again with another round. You know, it, it, we're ready, willing, and able to do whatever we can to help the small businesses that are impacted by this, both directly and, and through fintech partnerships. Well, let's take a minute and talk about sort of the power of partnerships and the fintech ecosystem in general. I think, I mean, it's at least from what I've heard you uh, just talk about the fact that you guys, one, already had sort of existing partnerships um, and had sort of culturally already placed such an emphasis on the importance of the ecosystem and the importance of the partnerships uh, in terms of how to scale and best serve your customers. I feel like you, you guys doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on that, you know, conceptually as you were trying to sort of like fulfill this mission. Yeah. I think that the, the craziest part about it and, and the thing that makes Crossover very, very different compared to other, I guess, banks in, in general is that, you know, we're pretty comfortable with failing. And, and that's a weird thing for a bank to say, but, you know, we would rather try something and, and know we didn't succeed um, than not try it. And so with our partnerships and, and kind of the ecosystem, we were pretty comfortable with the technology and the platform and the relationships to say like, how do, what's the, what's kind of phase one look like, right? And, and how do we get something done? So when the program launched in, in early April, we were out there with something that wasn't perfect. And, you know, a lot of banks would have looked at me like, oh, this isn't, this isn't good enough. And for us, it was, well, this is step one, right? And then there's going to be step two and step three and step four. Um, and, you know, it was, it was absolutely dynamic. And because we partnered with fintechs, they were super comfortable with that idea that it was going to be iterative, right? And, and so it was, hey, we're going to get something up and running so we can take these day one and then we're going to improve the process and we're improve the process and we're going to improve the process to the point like our actual integration to the SBA didn't reach its final form for probably 14 days. Um, we were using bots and all sorts of other things in the interim. But yeah, it it's was- sort of a, like conceptually not letting perfect get in the way of good or good enough at this point um, because for so many organizations, that lag and that delay meant that the money was gone 
um, and they're, they're, they're and right their chance at getting access to those funds at a time that they most needed them were dwindling and it was in you know thinking back to April it was one of those situations where it was literally day by day hour by hour like if you didn't get in queue the money was literally running out and then disappearing um, in a matter of days and we felt horrible right you know that as many clients as we helped that we knew we could have helped even more and that the problem was really there were there were a lot of challenges right that that we had to overcome but i think that what we really took seriously as an organization was that we weren't going to um, fail for lack of trying and so we were leaving everything on the field and um, we really ran at it as hard as we could both for ourselves and our organization but for our partnerships and you know people became really comfortable with going to people like, you know, uh, an Intuit or a Blue Vine or someone like that. And, and we stood behind them and, and we couldn't let their customers down and their brand down. Yeah, I really think it's that mindset, uh, which is precisely why Investnet Yodley really wanted to highlight the work of organizations such as yours um, during this time, because I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it from your customers, but the work that you were doing really truly changed people's lives in you know, in, in March and April and going forward. Um, so thank you for that and best of luck uh, at the awards. Um, and also like best of luck tackling uh, the whole PPP forgiveness process because that's that's the excitement that you guys are dealing with right now, right? Yeah, you know, when you uh, originate over a quarter billion, lo- a quarter million loans um, and you have to figure out how to forgive them, it's certainly gonna be a challenge, but you know, we're, we're staffing up for it. We have great partnerships and, and we're really relying heavily on technology to do that. And so we're ready for it and we're probably actually one of the few banks right now that are actually forgiving loans actively. Um, and we were the pilot for, with the SBA, actually, we were the, one of the first banks to actually forgive a loan. So, uh, Well, you know, just add it to sort of like the list of awesome stuff that you guys are doing right now. Um, the work is really meaningful. So congratulations for all of your, uh, your and all of your colleagues' hard work uh, and dedication um, to really make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely the team. Um, you know, the Cross River uh, folks in the technology team and across the, the bank from operations to, to, you know, the entirety of our banking platform um, really leaned into this. And, you know, I think that the reward is that we're actually able to help a lot of people. Well, no better way to end uh, the segment than on that. Uh, so thank you again for doing what you're doing. And just I hope all of you guys just keep doing it. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. No problem. All right, everyone. Next up, we are going to be talking with Christine Laredo, Vice President at Investnet Yodley. As we've been talking about all episode, uh, Yodley is uh, empowering the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards, and we're focused today on innovation during COVID-19. Christine, welcome to Tech on Reg. Thank you, Dara. I think this is the first time you've actually been on, right? It might be, although I've listened to a lot of your content and love it. So I'm super excited today. Well, I'm equally excited to have you. And most importantly, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk with ABAI and Cross River about some really not only interesting, but like vitally important work that these organizations have sort of been tackling uh, during completely unprecedented times. Um, So thank you from the FinTech community in general for, you know, really putting a lot of support uh, behind organizations like that and, you know, 
and then recognizing them as well, because everyone likes to do good for the sake of doing good. But it's also super nice when the industry goes ahead and recognizes, you know, those efforts as well. So I want to. There's really been some good work being done. And so I think it's really important to make sure those individuals and companies are recognized. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I want to talk to you about actually one of Yodley's customers, Tally. Uh, Tally's been nominated for one of the Innovation During COVID-19 Awards. Um, Tell us a little bit about what they do. Yes, well, Tally's got a really cool service. And essentially, what you would do is you would register your cards with Tally, and then they can monitor your balances on the cards, your APRs, and your due dates, and essentially help you never miss a payment and then calculate the smartest way to save you on interest for all your cards, basically like an assistant with your credit cards. Cool. So it's like a more holistic credit card debt management tool for consumers. Absolutely. You got it. All right. And it's an app, like customers just sign up and I imagine like the UI UX is super cool for them. Absolutely. Yeah. You sign up. It's super easy. You enter your cards, it pulls the information and then it you know, gives you alerts and information if something needs to be paid or it analyzes a, a better rate for you to save, save money on that debt. Oh, save money. We could certainly all use that, right? Uh, Absolutely. So what about what Tally has done during the pandemic really stood out and got them nominated for this award? Well, there's been a lot that we've seen around PPP and loans and all of that. But what I like about Tally is they looked at their customers and they said, we've been helping people manage their debt. But if there ever is a time where they need us, the assistant, to do something helpful, it's now. And so if you've been a Tally customer for 30 days then and you've been affected by COVID, um, you are eligible for this program that they developed, which is... Um, the ability to postpone a payment and stay in good standing, and as well as that, create a custom payment plan with them. Terrific. I will. I imagine consum- uh, tally customers are seriously taking advantage um, of those types of opportunities, especially right now. And you know, who knows? We're. I don't know. Are we technically in the middle of the second wave, third wave? Like, I can't even. I can't even keep track anymore. But it's definitely something that's ongoing. So, congratulations to them for putting together a program that is actually going to be uh, impactful for their direct end user. Right. And and what I think is so great about Tally and over the years as we've worked with them, I've always admired their their mission, um, which is about making people better off financially and really is a company that cares. And I, I've seen it in, in the work they've done with us and, and the way that they speak to their consumers. So I, I really applaud them with really coming together with something meaningful during these times. Well, it sounds like uh, it's a well-deserved nomination. Um, So good luck to Tally and Cross River and all the other nominees uh, for the Innovation During COVID-19 Award that's going to be given out at the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards that are powered by Investnet Yodley. And by the way, why don't we wrap up the episode, Christine, with you giving me a little bit of insight into really why Yodley thought it was so important to n- not just, you know, support the FinTech Awards in general, but this award in particular. Right. Well, we started these awards last year. We kicked it off in November 2019 with Benzinga. And our plan was to do these twice a year, partly because there's so much innovation happening um, in our ecosystem and on our platform. 
but then COVID hit and we just couldn't pull it off in June because we wanted to do them in person and uh, we wanted to, um, you know, celebrate with those people who have provided innovation for all of us to enjoy. And when COVID hit and we saw all the big efforts from other companies like Cabbage and Blue Vine and Crossover and of course Tally, we thought, okay, let's talk to Benzinga. Let's say, let's see what they think and see if we can recognize all this innovation that we knew was going to occur because it was just starting to blossom in April. We made these decisions and obviously the awards were going to be handed out in November. They're not going to be handed out. They're going to be done virtually. But the point of it is, is the amount of nominations, I can't say all the companies that have not been nominated for excellence in COVID, but I was blown away with the number of nominations and the quality of work. And I think it's necessary. I think there's been some companies that have been working days and nights and literally trying to help American people and small businesses, and they need to be recognized. I think that's fantastic. So, you know, for those of my listeners who are consumers, definitely check out Tally's platform. Uh, for those businesses, definitely check out Yodly. They've recently launched a launch pad um, with a ton of really, really interesting content, jam-packed, uh, interesting conversations with founders, content for your business, um, all sorts of things that are, you know, just free to the public. So definitely Google and check out the Yodley Launchpad. Um, Christine, thank you so much for supporting uh, all of the participants in the ecosystem. Uh, without support from community partners, you know, the community is what enables us all to continue, you know, to innovate and do the good that we want to do and help the people that we want to help. Uh, so thank you so much to Yodley for doing your part. And good luck to everyone. I can't wait to see the winners that get announced. Um, And until next time, everyone, thank you so much. Thank you, Dara.